0: Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash RVpod and use the promo code podcast10 to get 10% off our central membership for the first year. And now to today's episode. I really always enjoy my conversations with Novo. We both have a love of macro. We both fell in love with crypto. And he speaks my language, and I can pick his brains and think about how the world is playing out, what's just happened, what it means, and he's always got some interesting perspective. So, as ever, can't wait to talk to Mike. The world of crypto is an incredibly exciting journey that we're all going on together. We don't know where it's leading to, but we know it's going to be absolutely massive. Join me, Rao Pal, as I guide you on our adventure to discover just what this new world will look like. Novo, good to see you, my friend. You as well. Been a long few months. <laughs> it's been a long fucking year. That much I can tell you. Um, but, you know, you've been through this game a while and I've been through this game a while. It's kind of... It's part of the story, right?
1: Yeah, you know, listen, you always look back after you had a... A year like 21, and you're like, God, I should have taken more profits. I should have built up more liquidity. Um, you know, it's funny. I remember Arthur Hayes put out a tweet early on in the year about this going to be a bad year. Barry Silbert, ironically, because he's in so much, you know, trouble himself, he put out a tweet saying you know, this is going to be a bear market. It wasn't so out of the ordinary to think this was going to be a 21 was going to be a tough year, right? I mean, I talked 22, about 22.
0: You mean 22? Right, right.
1: 20, 22. 22. Uh, I, I talked about it on CNBC a lot, right? should have a rate hedge on, rates are going to go higher, asset prices will go lower. Yet by the end, the combination of central bank actually getting orthodoxy and raising rates aggressively, more aggressive than most of us thought they would, uh, and that uncovering a web of dumb leverage, fraudulent activity, stupid activity, some combination of bad behavior and dumb behavior, uh, which- I think led us to, you know, a December low with tax loss selling complete, you know, when when we talk about blood on the streets, it was just painful to talk crypto. Uh, And so, if you had to sell, you sold. If you were leveraged, you got out of your leverage. Uh, And I said before, the market was pretty clean. Now we've had a 30% bounce and it feels, you know, it's got to be a little careful. Uh, That's a lot of short covering. It's some new money. Um it's funny, we've seen the crypto hedge funds for the most part were decimated. And again, you do the math, you're down 80% last year and you're up 20 this year, you're still down 76 from the high. Uh, you know, it's very hard to dig out of a big hole. But we're seeing pockets all over the TradeFi hedge fund space of crypto pods, where yeah. a multi-strat had a great year last year, said, Hey come work here, here's 100 bucks, go at it, or here's more than 100 bucks. And so you name the big multi strat, they've got people trading crypto. Um, And so it's a real shift of, and some of that new money is getting into the space.
0: So here's a question for you before we, I want to dig into a whole bunch of stuff about the market. But you launched Galaxy at the peak of the priable market, and you had to deal with this. And, and here it is again. How does it feel different this time than last time?
1: Yeah, it feels a little worse to be honest. Uh, <laughs> uh I think of Galaxy when we launched, we really didn't have any business. Um and so we thought we were gonna build a business and it was really difficult to. And so for the first couple of years, we we really did very little other than trade our own portfolio. Um it was a smaller portfolio, it was easier to hedge. Uh we did a great job in twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen of preserving preserving capital. Uh, I learned a lesson there, which I didn't want to forget this time. You know, the first 70% down in that market, we hadn't lost a penny a book. And I that was a bit of luck, a bit of genius, a bit of uh you know, aggressive hedging. Um but I felt I should like walk around and strut and like, you know, get a wax statue of myself. And then by the end of the year, we were down 30%. I was like, how did that happen? Well, a market down 95% is down 70% and then 70 right? And so we scaled in. And, and, and getting in early can crush you, right? Uh, so if you just look at great shorters, they don't matter where they short the thing from. Because if it's going to zero, it's an 80% return or a 78% return even if you miss by 30%, right? Uh, I I do a great trick to young traders when I show them the NASDAQ bubble in 2000. If you pick the ultimate top or you sold it down 28%, on the lows, your return is almost identical. It's off by 4% because you're selling the same notional amount. Well, the opposite happens for buying. And so buying, you've got to be very precious of trying to make sure you're close to the low uh, and not scale all the way down because you're buying in notional dollars or do it in tokens, right? Hey, I'm going to accumulate 10,000 Bitcoin, 1,000 Bitcoin, whatever, and accumulate them in tokens. But if you do it in dollars and you spend a little too early, you're like, oh. And so listen, twenty. Why, why is this year a little harder? Uh, we're a much bigger firm. And so where anxiety comes, for anybody, for any individual investor, for a household owner, a business owner, is one revenue is less than expense, right? Because then you're like, ah, oh, and you're starting to burn the furniture. And I think what happened in 21 for lots of companies, capital was cheap, almost free, a lot of build, big buildup on Ford. And you wake up and you're like, oh, we can't get capital. Access to capital's got more expensive my costs are way too high. And so this has been a painful process of cutting costs, still wanting to invest. And I think that's not finished yet for our industry. Um, I think a lot of people have big illiquid portfolios. You know, The liquidity to illiquidity balance got shifted. Yeah, I'll take a little of that. I'll take a little of that venture stuff, private equity stuff, strategic investment stuff. And so market goes up thirty percent and your liquid stuff goes up, your liquid stuff, well, maybe it's who knows. And so I think it's gonna this is gonna be a challenging year as people need to rebuild liquidity uh and not stop investing in their business.
0: So let's talk about the macro, because that was the thing that I mean I got surprised. I knew rates were gonna go up and I knew there was going to be inflation, but that second leg that came after Russia kind of Took everybody surprise and the central banks went further, so liquidity got really withdrawn.
1: How are you seeing the macro now? You know, I was out with one of the world's great traders of all time, right? Dave Tepper yesterday. Uh, and investors. And it's complicated. Both of us, so like we know a few things are happening, right? China's reopening, and we know what happens when you're reopening. There's a consumer surge, there's a travel surge, there's a it's good to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> the animal spirits come back. You know, I think Xi showed his stripes during the spontaneous. I mean, those protests two, two, three months ago were shocking in that they were all over China, and they were angry, and they were young and old, and rich and poor, and he wants to be emperor for life. And he was like, uh oh, I need to make some changes. So real quickly, let's rewrite the script on COVID and go to forget COVID zero. But also, let's back away on regulation. Let's let people make money again. And so you've seen Alibaba and lots of tech stocks, you know, come 50% off their high. But I'm hearing over and over, ah, the environment's going to be more business friendly than it was even two months ago. Hmm. Uh, and so you've got China, hopefully good for crypto, but. China, good for Because yeah, they
0: reopened Hong Kong essentially for crypto, which is interesting, right?
1: Yes. So, good for the global economy, good for commodity prices, copper, you know, were on copper and oil. Um, you've got Europe, which was fearing the, you know, ice planet Hoth from Star Wars, right? And if they cut a tauntaun in late. Like-
0: I mean, if you listen to half the people, we'd be chipping off the dead bodies off the streets of Paris because there was no heating and no food, right?
1: And you've got the, I was over there trying to ski over Christmas and it was warm, you know. Like we weren't wearing we weren't wearing t shirts, but it was warm. And so, you know, weather has really bailed out a European recession. We might not even get a European recession now. Uh, and so, you're going to get a a, a resurge there. Japan is booming for the first time in a while. Economy strong. Uh, you had kind of a wacky BOJ last night. Uh, so the U.S. is slow, but. The consumer isn't, you know, employment's still strong. I have a friend who's got like six businesses and he said, oh, five of them suck. But my hotel business just doesn't, it, it's, it's defined gravity, right? High, high room rates and full occupancy. And if you come in New York, it, it's hard to get into a restaurant on a Wednesday night. Forget a Friday. Yeah, we've got
0: here in the Cayman Islands, the busiest January on record. It's all Americans. Yeah, I'm like, wow, it's supposed to be a recession.
1: Well, if you look, so what's so interesting about the response to COVID was how, in America was how fast it was. There was not a day where personal incomes went down. Not a day. COVID happened, we're giving you money. And we gave you a lot of money. So income growth went way up during COVID. Savings went way up during COVID because you couldn't spend anything. Right, I mean, you could, you know, buy go on Etsy and get a potholder maker (laughs) to build a sweater like this one, uh, or you know, paint your house and order a new refrigerator. But broadly, savings went up. It started coming down, and Biden got elected, and oh, they turbocharged it because the, the Dems, the Progressives said this is our turn, and so let's do that other 1.8 trillion dollar stimulus that we didn't need. Uh, and this is for PPP. Like at school, COVID was almost over, and we're now giving like billions of dollars to schools for PPP that no one wants. But all this money pumped in the economy, so personal incomes went way back up, savings rate went way back up. That's been falling. Savings rate's now negative, but the the pile of you know uh, money isn't gone yet. So while the savings rate is negative, the net savings is still positive, mm-hmm. and so. You're seeing credit card debt starting to pick up again, you know. So we're going to eat through that, but we haven't eaten through it yet. So until then, let's go to the Caymans, right? Let's let's go out to Nobu and you know, and, and or, or buy something at Louis Vuitton. So, do you think
0: we go into recession, or do you think we avoid? How are you thinking of? I think
1: I think we go into recession because that savings will evaporate, negative savings rate by definition you're seeing layoffs in lots of big companies we had a wage surge it's coming off pretty quick right and so uh my guess is we at least have a mild recession um and that you know that the fed raises 25 next next month or in 2 weeks and then that next meeting probably raises but probably shouldn't yeah. Right. I agree. And but there'll be a debate, right? Uh why macro is tough is let's assume that's the truth in the US. If you start seeing China come back and Europe doing better and global commodity prices, we can get inflation down to three and a half, four percent, you know, from whatever six, but can you get it to that next level down to two? And does the then then after that pause, we're always used to pause, cut, right? The market's pricing and pause, cut, uh, and that's probably what happens. But there's another side of your brain that's saying you could have a reacceleration, right? So that story, and I think that's why, you know, again, uh, my buddy said, "I just might not invest this year." <laughs> it's it's that complicated of a uh, it is
0: complicated, right? I, I'm like you. I'm kind of more of a deflationist and i think over time it probably comes lower but there's this other distinct probability that things come back too fast and we create inflation again so i'm not sure how much rates come down sure the 10 year can come down a bit in the meantime as growth comes down but do rates come down a lot or do they do they cut them down to 3 and then they get stuck and I don't know, what do you, how, how do you think balance of probabilities rates are next year
1: yeah year? i think even if so if they cut they're not going to cut 25 right they'll cut 50-50 and then see what happens and so you know the market's not that unfairly priced if you think 25-25 wait 5 months and cut 50-50 uh that would be the normal pattern um but there's a shot at 25 25, and they wait and they're like, Well, until we really see inflation going below three and a half, let's just sit here.
0: I've been talking about this with people because there's a lot of people think there's a second surge of inflation. And the Fed kind of think that. So, like, we're going to stay. So, therefore, they're guaranteeing there's not going to be the second wave of inflation, and therefore, 10 year yields collapse, which yeah. is very positive. For the risk asset space that we all love,
1: Yeah, so that's you know. Listen, the there's this balance between. So, pal embarrassed himself by being so late uh, to hike, and there was some strategy there. He wanted to get reelected. Period. He wanted to get reelected because he thought he was the right man for the job. He didn't want Leo Brainerd in the job. Um, he thought he was the guy to take the Fed through this hard hard times, and and. You know if that's a good strategy or not, that was a strategy, and so he definitely doesn't want to be seen as Arthur Burns, right? And so I think they're going to air, they're going to talk hawkish, and they're going to be hawkish. And they've been kind of bailed out by this tight labor market, you know. Uh, now they're going to get the global growth, and so you know, they're soft, softish landing it. You know, like he, in some ways, they're doing a really good job. Stock market's at an okay price. Just intuitively, it doesn't, this is what makes me nervous. It's hard to think you had the greatest asset bubble in the history of the world. Uh, and then fueled, you know, with the cherry on top by COVID and 11 months of a bear market's all you get. <laughs> right? We're still above. We're still above pre-COVID levels uh, in everything. You know, what people often miss is Bitcoin's way above. It. Like Bitcoin's way, everyone says, "Oh, crypto sucks." I'm like, "What are you guys talking about? Bitcoin has way outperformed all growth stocks during the you know pre-COVID to now." Oh yeah, uh, by a long way, massively. Um, you know, listen, our our, our industry needs a a colonic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, listen,
0: okay, well, I want to come into the industry for a second, but just the last question about this macro stuff. Does level of rates matter or rate of change? Because I'm not sure anybody gives a shit if rates stabilize at 4% because you kind of build in a hurdle rate, you know what your funding costs are, you figure it out, you lay off some stuff.
1: Sh- People aren't through that transition yet. Like your LIBOR plus 100 loan that you were making investments with, You know, 1% is very different than 5% or 6%. And so I do think levels matter some. They don't matter as much as rate of change, but I do think they matter some. Literally since 2007, not a serious adult non-professional, but like mom or dad, should have bought one scintilla of fixed income. Not one, right? You don't call your grandmother and say, hey, grandma, put your money in. Thirty years at two percent, right? And so this is the first time people are buying. Say, hey, I can actually buy yeah. New York Muni's at six percent, and our Treasury bills at four and a half, or um, and so fixed income is becoming a real asset allocation to just normal, you know, wealthy, not so wealthy, you know, savers, um, and that's a shift, right? right? And so I don't think, unfortunately, growth comes back screaming. Right, like that was fueled by cheap money. That I think um, is just going to be a reality for a while. Uh, What would change that? Not a lot. You would have to literally see kind of a global catastrophe, and you know, the deflation tornado come back, but that's just so hard to see, given the structural shifts that have happened. Yeah, I
0: think a lot of people aren't talking about what does GDP look like on the other side of this recession. I think it's probably slow. (laughs) <laughs> because if you say if the if the Fed keep relatively tight, the economy's slow, and that's a different world to deal with. It's not as easy. So, talking about what happened last year, I want to get to the structure of the markets now in crypto. It really reminded me of long term capital, where we found that was one player. You know, basically that you know Barry's trust spreads blew out, which was like the swap spreads when long term capital blew out. 3 Arrows Capital were the long term capital they were everybody's biggest client and then and behold, everybody went bust it's like I've seen this playbook before interesting enough the hedge fund industry after LTCM as you know everyone was like it's uninvestable they're overlevered it's opaque what happened is the assets under management went up 5x because of regulation and everyone tightened up risk but it felt like we just we've seen this playbook before you and I many times over it's not unique to crypto
1: right Yeah, which is is unfortunate is crypto had this story of transparency. I must use the word 10,000 times in the last five years when I was talking about crypto. Transparency, egalitarian, fairness. And we had really big, giant, opaque players. But you think about Celsius, crazy leverage, crazy leverage. BlockFi, crazy leverage, right? Genesis, crazy leverage, crazy concentration rate. Uh, three arrows, bizarre. Credit credit groups like ours make decisions to lend people money based on balance sheets. And and you don't go off like kamikaze saying I'll just lend the money. And so I I am hoping that most of that gets well, I, I know most of it's been washed out of the market, that it gets resolved sometime over the next 18 months. Uh those It weighs heavy on illiquid assets, right? Because all these places have illiquid assets. They sell the liquid stuff. And so that stuff just gets disposed or held or pushed around. And so they played an important role in driving asset prices up, right? Like, how do you get leverage into the system? We were getting it through the Asian exchanges, and we were getting it through these big brokerages that were then lending it on. And so we have a pretty deleveraged system right now. But how can it's got to be difficult to run books, right? I'm thinking of hedge
0: funds as well, market neutral guys. Anybody doing anything can't get any fucking borrow. And there's one big firm which is Binance, and nobody wants to take the credit risk. It's, so it's
1: like it's difficult. It's it's what was that line in The Godfather? Difficult, yes. Impossible, no. Uh, <laughs> it is more difficult. It's not impossible. And we're starting to see a thaw. We're starting to see a thaw. One of an instinct I have is that crypto has been a retail-driven, rep, you know, phenomena. I was called the people's revolution, right? Um, I think retail will take us out of this bear market, not with no help from institutions, but it's going to take retail, like the, the the cheap money that will be lent will be retail money. And what's interesting is people believe in this space; they make mistakes. They see frauds, but they come back to it. They believe in decentralized systems. They believe in Bitcoin. They believe in Ethereum. They believe that in time we're going to cut the middleman out. Um, do they feel silly that we talked about decentralization and you know we had this one giant player in FTX that literally uh, lied through their teeth and was the was one of the, the the core pieces of infrastructure? Yes. Everyone's like, duh, Uh, but they haven't given up on the dream. And how I keep 400 employees working here is we believe that these systems are going to be very important and that if we do our job really well and build architecture that people want to use, information architecture, trading architecture. and do it at a cost structure that we can afford. You know, when the broader adoption comes, we're going to, you know, be in a cap seat.
0: Yeah, I just think that yeah, the interest has not died down. We can see interest from you know a lot of interest in NFTs from corporations, marketing. There's there's still activity around, but you know, it's a nascent space. And everyone has to learn lessons, and unfortunately, in this space, you learn it the hard way, which is in your P and L really fast. But you know, everyone kind of builds back stronger because we've seen this from Mount Gox to Bitfinex to I mean, you name it, all the yeah, mistakes so get made.
1: You said this is harder because it's on a bigger scale, right? Budgets were bigger. Uh, people got comfortable with higher salaries, uh, right? Companies like ours were bringing Wall Street people, and they're much more expensive than startup people, <laughs> and so. You got to convince people like this is a startup business again for most people, Uh, and so we were definitely you know Sam Bankman Fried shoved us back two years. Uh, I hope we go springing back a much better ecosystem, right? A lot more thought on how do you use transparency of blockchains to to verify stuff. Uh, We need a few. Breakthroughs, right? We need zero knowledge proofs to actually start showing up in stuff. Like I, I, I theoretically told the story of the ID and why you know you, your daughter doesn't need to show her address to the the bouncer, but like we need that shit to start happening. Yeah. Um, the, the the CEO of Microsoft talked about you know blockchain and crypto needs its chat GPT. Yeah, I
0: saw that, and, and he's right.
1: Yeah, I thought it was NFTs last year, and I still am a big believer in NFTs. We just invested more money in project called Candy. Um, and I do think NFTs are going to play a big part of it. Uh,
0: Digital incredibly... ID is the big one for me, I think. That's yeah. the billion people unlock.
1: Yeah. And we'll get there. It's just for every guy running a business, God, I'd like to think we get there in the next two to three years where I'm you know, going to be gurgling uh, from underwater. <laughs> <laughs> right? And weirdly, and I've told my staff this you have to believe, not that Bitcoin is going 100,000 or 200,000, but it is going to be higher than 20 in two years' time, or this is too painful a place to work. Not Galaxy, the industry, right? So we do need adoption. We do need those communities to grow, people to believe, because that's what funds the technology growth. That's what f- Funds the momentum of drawing smart people. You in.
0: sound like you're a bit shaken up still, though, because it's been. No,
1: listen, I, I, you know, I, I am angry, but I just invested forty-five million dollars in a Israeli security company uh, called GK8, which we think is world-class. That's going to help us be a, a, you know, a SaaS player in essence, providing you know solutions to people for their their own, you know personal custody or their company custody. Um, we invested a hundred million dollars in in a mining facility in Texas, and so infrastructure we're leaning into. Uh, we did other loans. We invested money into Candy, which is a big NFT platform, and so I spent you know a decent chunk of change in December. I being you know we a galaxy, yeah, um, and that wasn't without a lot of thought, right? Like the simple hedge fund solution would have been fire everybody. Bunker down, hold, you know, liquefy your assets and trade your way out of until until the bull market starts, right? And of course, that goes through your head. The can we build an organization that we're proud of that sits in the center, are part of the center of institutional participation in this, and is it going to be worth a lot if we do it? Like, we chose the harder path, um, and so and we're we're betting with our money. Um
0: I still think, you know, I still speak to the institutions. They're still all interested in the
1: space. I did a, we did a webinar yesterday. We had six hundred people on it. I was like, "Can you guys each give me (laughs) one But
0: I mean, I don't see a lack of interest. I just they're just gun shy. -shy. You know what institutions are
1: like. Think about the two big Canadian pension funds. Two of the four big Canadian pension funds made big investments into crypto in twenty twenty one. 400 or 300 million into Celsius and 400 million into FTX, both zeros within six months of making the investment. And so, you got to be pretty stinking brave to be a Canadian pension fund guy to say, "Hey, I'm next." (laughs) And so, it's just gonna—I mean, it's so unfrickin' fortunate that you know people got caught up in the, the frenzy and the fraudulence and because. You don't know how many times me and my team have made presentations to Canadian pension funds and been there. This is starting in two thousand and fourteen. Dan Morda was going up there I think in thirteen uh, and to kind of get them all engaged because always their employees were engaged, and then to have black eye black eye uh you know it's going to take a lot of courage for the next guy to make an investment
0: but I do think they're kind of short upside calls because you know they're mainly momentum guys, right, so maybe not in the v c side for a bit. But in the market side, my guess is if ETH is trading at three thousand and they can get a yield, they'll be herding into the space right now, when they should why be. I, it right,
1: why I said, like, if I was a field general, I would be doing, you know, the the heart speech to all the retail guys out there. Crypto needs the retail participants to come back to these communities, to buy in, to believe, to. to To to, to drive price, because that's what's gonna get institutions back engaged. Institutions intellectually understand this business. They had blockchain versus Bitcoin versus Ethereum. They've done all their homework, they're gunshot. It is gonna take energy, price. Energy is price. And so why, you know, there was this announcement today that the DOJ was gonna. And I was like, everyone's
0: like, it's Binance, it's Binance. I like,
1: Please don't have it be Binance. Please don't like like listen, we need to cheer for Binance. Uh, like we do, you know, they are 60% of the liquidity or 40%, you know, some giant percentage of the liquidity. CZ has been always very focused on customer service. And so he's got a very loyal, giant retail following that believe in our ecosystem. Like we need those guys. Uh and it drives me crazy how many people on Twitter and and other media, you know, just want to smash people down. And are, 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 would would be nothing happier than if CZ you know, s- stepped on a banana peel and and slipped on his ass. Um, it's the wrong thinking. We need CZ to succeed, right? We need Galaxy Galaxy to succeed.
0: And what's your sense of where? DC is now, because they've just got a bloody chin from this whole thing.
1: Yeah, I think the Republicans, uh, McHenry, who's, who's running a, the the, the uh, banking committee now, um, Tom Emmer is a great fan of crypto, who's the, minor, uh, the, uh, the majority whip uh, from Minnesota. I think they are pro-crypto, and they're going to take Gensler across the coals uh, for his performance at the SEC, and it's going to be pretty political. I think, unfortunately, the Democrats who were all becoming crypto people, like they were like, it was going to be bipartisan, now feel like, oh, I got to back away because they got Sam Bankman freed stink over all of them. I, I actually read <laughs> that Sam gave money to like 70% of all congressmen. I know. And so that part of it, I think, is going to make it harder. For for Dems to be like, oh yeah, crypto's great. It'll it'll burn through, in the
0: faster. And what about the fight between the CFTC and the SEC? Because that needs to get resolved for everybody, oh, right? I mean,
1: yeah, I think that's that's on hold for a while. They're both like, we never said that. Why, why, you know, uh, listen, they they were both very very close with Sam, uh, and again, you know, a lot of people were, and a lot of people got snookered, uh, but Sam was was. Negotiating to pretty much have dominance of so a cash exchange that the CFTC regulates, uh, and you know the SEC was going to bless that as long as they got to do, you know, non Bitcoin and Ether, and and so there was this negotiation going on that was this close to getting done, and so I think they're both just trying to stay as far away from it as possible and to be as tough as they can right now.
0: But somebody's got to do something proactive because the space is on hold really until. Somebody makes
1: a decision of how to do this. It might take the next administration. Really? It might. Listen, the Republicans are going to try and we'll see. Like sometimes these stories fade faster than you think, right? But right now, there's still a lot of, you know, Biden's under attack and, you know, like having, you know, Sam in his office, one of his biggest donors, you know, just doesn't look good. (laughs) Talk me through
0: what you thought when you saw this FTX thing unravel. We kind of, most of us kind of knew the Alameda link with FTX wasn't right. You know, it's like-
1: So I I, I explained it to people. I thought they were front running me, uh, but I kind of thought that was the cost of the liquidity. Um, I couldn't prove they were front running me, but there was a couple of times it certainly felt like I was getting squeezed and someone knew my positions. Matter of fact, to be honest, I was very candid two weeks before that happened with the CFTC commissioners. Uh, they were in my office. I was like, dude, I- not making an actual allocation I'm just telling you my instinct was we had front running. you can't have someone be in charge of Bitcoin liquidity and, and have a proprietary group 15 feet away uh, And they were like yeah yeah we get it we get it we get it but you know that so there, but I never in my wildest dreams thought he'd be stealing our money uh, right again, it, it, it's, there's a nuanced difference of, of just you have know, bad behavior and, and and really bad behavior. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: that's right. I mean, I, I was the same. I thought that link was bad, and that they were using all the flow to advantage the hedge fund, but we didn't realize that they were using all the capital.
1: You know, th- one of the things that I kick myself in the rear about, and you'll do it as soon as I, I mention this. Often, when things don't feel exactly right, we ask questions. The question I kept asking is, where is Sam getting all this money? Mm. A billion dollars for the mining for you know GDA mining, buying CZ out for three billion or three and a half billion. I was like, who has four billion? I, I know so many rich people. Not one of them has four billion in cash.
0: Uh and the exchange couldn't have been that profitable.
1: And we knew what the exchange kind of was. So instead of digging in and, and getting answers, I did what often, you know. Males do. <laughs> I answered it myself. He must have sold a lot of Solana, right? He bought Solana very little and it went up to infinity, right? You could have made a fortune in Solana. He must have made a ton in yield farming. He must have made a ton in arbitrage. Instead of actually digging in and figuring out how many tokens that he set, like you could have, you could have done your homework and try to figure out does this make sense? I do know people that have made enough money in crypto. To make those kind of investments, Sam obviously wasn't one.
0: (laughs) And what do you think about the guys from Three Arrows Capital now saying, "Oh, they want to set up a fucking
1: exchange"? I I, I am just dismayed that they have the audacity to, to, to after the damage they created. And we'll see if they get. You know, I would hope the investigators, you know, find their way uh, to all of these guys that, you know, operated so recklessly recklessly with leverage, recklessly with the truth. But which regulators? That's the issue I've got. The US regulators have a long arm. <laughs> uh, they're busy. Uh, but, you know, these things don't get, it could be two years from now and they get a knock on the door. Uh, I, yeah, it's 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 breathtaking how many people are going like this. Was it wasn't my fault. Uh and listen, I'm not criticizing people for losing money, uh, and even for taking too much leverage, right? Like human nature, you get excited. Like I, I've I've had years when my hedge fund didn't do well, uh, and you feel like an idiot. Um, but what that group in particular did—the size, the leverage, the deception around balance sheet—it uh, feels insane, actually, that someone would give them capital.
0: Yeah. It's- I mean, it felt like a joke when they're saying, "Are they going to?" Why? Why would I, I you thought, give an exchange I a spoof?
1: Proof? I thought it was a spoof.
0: Yeah, why would you let them run customer money at an exchange? It's like the industry's kind of forgotten that you know the standard rule that we all grew up with on Wall Street is customer money is sacrosanct and separated from house. Simple as that. Unless you're John Corzine, of course, and then you <laughs> you blow up MF Global, which I got caught out in.
1: You know, again, and him saying he's going to raise money and actually raising money are two different things. So let's not waste too much oxygen on that.
0: So, what's the most? What's the thing that actually gets you positive? Because you're you're cautious like everybody is. Everyone's kind of in wait and see mode. You kind of want to believe the rally desperately, but don't want to believe it because everyone's sick of bear market rallies. What's going to get you excited?
1: Well, as a Bitcoin guy. I just see populism everywhere I look. And I don't see how we get everyone's all excited right now. We still have a 5% budget deficit with almost no unemployment. Like when you have almost no unemployment, you should have a surplus, right? Little Keynesian cyclicality. Like, and so we just, you know, had an omnibus bill at the end of the year with a trillion plus, throw it in. Again, politicians spend, and so we will debase fiat money one way or the other. And so Bitcoin's got a long story, and it's got a very hardened base of believers. And so I don't think Bitcoin goes away. And the way it's traded makes me feel great. When I talk to asset managers and banks, tokenization is coming. Hmm. Not, it's going to come in stable coins first and other, other ways. But the technology of tokenization to fractionalize things, to save on settlement and forms and everything else, is coming. And so, part of security and custody is going to be tokenization, and part of having exchanges that have giant groups of KYC clients, uh, they're going to end up, you know, buying these things at one point. We haven't had a use case yet. Like, no one wants to buy a tokenized. You know, piece of Rolls Fund. You know,
0: but people like you know, people are trying it. KKR, Apollo. I mean, everyone's looking at it.
1: It's going to happen. The NFT space is 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 not going away, right? How leagues and and brands advertise, how they how they ticket, how tickets become a, all of that stuff is being worked on. How you gamify that experience. And so that space is happening. What worries me, and and it's all this stuff is happening, and it's happening on a normal, pretty quick growth scale. When you're growth equity investors, you're selling this bigger dream because money was free. And now we need to see real wins. We need to see shit that people use, right? And so I do think the venture returns are going to be smaller for a while until we hit the critical mass of acceleration until we get digital identity until we get uh, you know zero knowledge proofs sneaking into lots of different systems feels to me that the VC space might be quieter than the
0: the listed space for a while
1: yeah agreed agreed that's why I'm like you know one of my goals is get more liquidity. You know, if that's raising capital from outside investors, uh, you know, for asset management funds, but like liquidity and having cash is going to be key.
0: Yeah. Well, let's see how this plays out. It's going to be a tricky year, as you say, but we've got through the worst of it. Yeah. That's my view. You know, my view is I looked at ETH, it bottomed in June, and then we threw even worse news at it, and it didn't make a new low. And for me, you know, that's a classic signal of, okay, we've had the selling exhaustion. Now we can rebuild. So it kind of feels like we're there. Yeah. All right, my friend. Good to see you. Take care out there. I think Mike is usually more effervescent and bullish. And I, I can see that it's been a hell of a grind of a year. And I think that's true of almost everybody in this space. Everyone's been a little bit shocked by the magnitude of some of the issues that have hit the space. And this space has always been and will always be about surviving. It's about surviving the bad times and building for the good times because the good times do return. And, you know, I think we're in that type of time horizon now where it's a matter of shoring up, making sure you're ready, getting ready for the next phase. And I think the next phase still comes. And I think Mike still thinks it comes. And, you know, there's so many people who are still interested in all of the use cases. Yes, we're probably still lacking that killer app outside of, you know, the, launching the blockchains themselves, and the fact that you can trade them. Is what are we going to build on it? And that's all to come. Like we heard with artificial intelligence over the last decade, we heard it's coming, it's coming. We'd see various use cases. It wasn't great, and then GPT three hit, and ChatGPT, and the world changed. That moment's likely to come. So, let's wait and see how it plays out. The macro is a complicated year too, so we need to get through that one as well. So, let's
1: keep our eye on things and keep moving forwards.